Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Monday episode for week 13 of the 2023-2024 NBA season. I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show uh, and or welcome back to the show. Whether you are a uh, previous listener of the podcast or you're brand new to the show, Either way, we just want to express our appreciation for your support of the show. Of course, we're on all sorts of different streaming platforms now, um, or podcast podcast platforms rather. Um, and if you want to check us out on social media, we're on you know Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. So definitely, uh, or X, whichever you prefer. I know a lot of people are pushing back against the X name. It still feels weird. Uh, I don't know if that'll ever really catch on. I mean, the, <clears throat> the website... Um, URL is still Twitter. Um, and so we'll see if that ever really changes. But that's besides the point. Um, today's episode, uh, we're without Wyatt, uh, our usual Monday co-host. Uh, he has a, just a pretty busy uh, all-round week uh, as far as uh, work and family uh, family events uh, and stuff like that. So uh, we're just going to run solo today. We are going to sort of do a DEF CON level segment um, in a, a kind of roundabout way, but we'll get there a little bit later on for the moment. Let's go ahead and waste no more time. Let's get started with our five on five drill, our five key games that we want to focus on from last weekend, um, as well as the six men, the notes from the other games we didn't have a chance to talk about. Um, from that point, we'll go ahead and go into our key news as well. So let's get started with that. All right, we're starting with a matchup of the most recent first and second overall picks in the NBA draft, the 2023 NBA draft, that is. Uh, Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs hosting the uh, Charlotte Hornets and the second overall pick, Brandon Miller, of course, Wembanyama, the first overall pick. And uh, the Spurs get the win in this one, 135 to 99. Uh, Their final score in San Antonio with Spurs winning big. Um, LaMelo Ball did also return for Charlotte. It was his first game in about six weeks, so we're glad to see him back in the lineup. He had a very solid game. Um, let's talk about the game as a whole. Um, just kind of a blowout. I mean, uh, first quarter fairly close, and then the Spurs built a nice lead going into halftime, and then they just expanded that lead from that point on. Not really much more to talk about there. Um, even though the the Hornets had a few more you know, kind of defensive numbers, they shot the ball pretty poorly overall. Uh, they turned the ball over a little bit more, even though they shot better from the free throw line. Uh, really, the Spurs dominated this game in most aspects. Looking at the box score, yeah, LaMelo, 28 points, 5 assists, 5 steals, along with 3 rebounds in his first game back. 3 of 9 from 3, 94% from the free throw line, hitting 15 of 16 free throw attempts. But he was 35% from the floor overall. Not a bad return. <clears throat> Excuse me. Especially with... Um, you know, that amount of time difference uh, still able to put up some great stats despite some uh, shooting struggles, I suppose. Uh, for the rest of the Hornets, Terry Rozier had 16 points, uh, two steals and a block as well. Uh, 14 points for Miles Bridges, 12 points for the starting center, Nick Richards. Uh, no Mark Williams in this game for whatever reason. I hadn't heard about any injury issues with him uh, lately. Um, Bridges also with nine rebounds, Richards with eight rebounds, uh, 12 points off the bench for Bryce McGowan's, uh, and Brandon Miller, one point, two rebounds, one assist, one steal. He only played nine minutes. It looks like potentially left with some sort of an injury concern. 
Um, so if that is the case, we're going to definitely wish them the best uh, in that regard. Looking at things for the Spurs, they were led by their number one overall pick, Victor Wembanyama, 26 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks, two of three from three-point range. And he had a sequence in particular that was pretty exciting. Um, had a three, and then he had a series of, of dunks, lob dunks. Hey, actually, I don't know if he had any lob dunks. Just driving in and getting a pass for an easy dunk, and then um, – even dribble dribble drive inside for a dunk. I mean, showcasing why he was such a highly touted prospect. And we've seen that time and time again. Uh, yeah, two of three, 66% from three-point range, 64% from the floor overall, uh, made all his free throw attempts. Um, outside of Wembenyama, they had some nice games from, uh, well, some okay games from uh, Doug McDermott off the bench. In 11 minutes, he had 14 points, four of six from three. Um they had 13 from Jeremy Sohan, uh, who also had two steals and a block, six rebounds as well. 12 points for Devin Vassell, uh, 11 points for Chetty Osman off the bench, and then 10 points for Keldon Johnson off the bench as well. So fairly well spread. Uh, Wembenyama led the way. And uh, Spurs, I want to say that was back-to-back wins. They've certainly got two wins in very short order. Um and we'll talk about that touch in our power rankings. But for now, great win for the Spurs. And let's move on to our next game. By the way, that game from Friday night, uh, this second game from Friday night as well. Then we'll have a game from Saturday and then two games from Sunday last night. And uh, as far as our second Friday game, that's this one, the Denver Nuggets hosting the New Orleans Pelicans, who have been hot to start off the month of January. Uh, the Nuggets have been fairly solid all year. Of course, the defending champions, and they get a big win against the Pelicans in Denver, 125-113, your final score, with Jokic logging a triple-double in this game. Um, not quite a route, but the Nuggets held a uh, double-digit lead for just about the whole uh, final three quarters of this game. First quarter fairly close, but uh, still a great win for uh, the Nuggets at home in this game. For the Pelicans, they were led by Zion Williamson. 30 points, six boards, five assists. Pretty solid solid all-around showing, 59% from the floor with a block as well. They got 17 points from Jonas Valanciunas with six boards as well. Uh 13 points off the bench for Larry Nance Jr., who's made a recent return. That's good to see. Two steals on a block as well. Uh, 12 points for CJ McCollum, seven assists. He was three of eight from three. Nance Jr., by the way, three of four from three. And then finally, Jose Alvarado with 10 points off the bench, two of three from three-point range. Um, not bad all around for the Pelicans, but again, the Nuggets just a little bit more well-rounded. All five starters scoring in double figures. Uh, being led by, again, Jokic, 27 points, 14 assists, and 10 rebounds, um, a block as well, and he was very efficient. Um, talking about Jokic in particular, again, he's in the conversation in terms of record books. Uh, this triple-double was Jokic's 12th for the season. That leads the league at the moment. And over his last eight games, Jokic is shooting 79.3% from the floor. That is First of all, phenomenal. But more importantly, it only trails Wilt Chamberlain for the highest percentage shot from the floor over eight games since 1955, which is the beginning of the shot clock era. Um, worth noting that that's a minimum of 80 field goal attempts in that time span. <clears throat> there might have been some people who shot less attempts over eight games that shot better. Um, but with a sizable, yeah, about 10 field goal attempts a game, Jokic is only trailing Wilt Chamberlain uh, a few different times, had a higher percentage over that time span. 
Um, and, you know, just dominant numbers for Jokic, who continues to show why he's a multi-time MVP and why the Nuggets were a tour de force on the way to their first championship last season. Uh, joining him in the 20-plus points category was Michael Porter Jr., who had 20 points and 10 rebounds in this game. Uh, also, Jamal Murray, 20 points, 9 assists. They also got 15 from Aaron Gordon, 12 off the bench from Reggie Jackson, and then 11 points from Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, just great all-around numbers. And again, they beat a good Pelicans team. The Pelicans had won six of seven their last seven games, and they had won seven straight road games. So it's a very impressive win for the Nuggets to get against the Pelicans as they look to build even better momentum with Murray, Joel Murray, uh, more solidly back into the rotation. So great game for Denver. Great win for them on Friday night. And we'll go ahead and jump into our third game, our lone game from Saturday night. And is there a touch of favoritism played here in terms of the team that I want to talk about? A little bit, but this team has also been very stellar in a recent week. So they have earned uh, more attention uh, league-wide, certainly, uh, if not just on our podcast. That's the Utah Jazz winning at home against the Los Angeles Lakers, 132-125, to 125, your final score for the Jazz. Very impressive win, although the Lakers were without LeBron James. Um, so you got to take that into consideration. But still, the Lakers... Uh, we know they've struggled, but they have some, uh, you know, they have AD, of course, who's been dominant um, at uh, many times this season in terms of the stats and has been, had a great defensive impact in recent seasons, as is as has been the case his whole career. Um, and they had great games from uh, supporting players uh, overall. I mean, but a, a great win for Utah still. Lakers kind of controlled the first half a little bit more, but then the Jazz made the, the better halftime adjustments and they were able to take over the game in the third quarter. And never quite a, a huge lead, but they controlled the game uh, fairly well to uh, come out with the victory in this one. Uh, starting with the Lakers, as far as box scores are concerned, D'Angelo Russell, season-high 39 points. Definitely his best game this season, uh, of course, in scoring. But he also had eight assists, two blocks, and a steal. All-around impact, 6 of 11 from 3. Really incredible game for D'Angelo Russell in this one. They also got 19 points from Austin Reeves, who started this game. Uh, they got 17 off the bench from Roy Hachimura. 15 off the bench from Christian Wood, who also had nine rebounds, 12 points for Torian Prince, and then Anthony Davis, 15 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists, and four blocks, as well as a steal. That's his second career triple-double, the first of which also came in Utah back in 2018 when he was a New Orleans Pelican. Um, I mean, great games from a bunch of Lakers. It really took a lot for the Jazz to be able to come up with the victory. And they had a great all-around game, too. Larry Markkinen led them in scoring 29 points, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals on a block. Stuff in the stat sheet fairly well, three of six from three. Also 90% from the free throw line on 11 attempts, 10 of 11 there. Uh, 27 points for Colin Sexton, who has continued to impress. Five assists, four rebounds. He was 10 of 10 from the free throw line. They got 21 points off the bench from Jordan Clarkson since they've made the move to have him be that sixth man that we know he was such a, uh, a stellar sixth man with the, the Mitchell and Gobert Jazz. Um, the Jazz have been playing better. Having that scoring impact off the bench has been a big asset. Uh, Keontae George, 19 points, three boards, three assists, three of nine from three. 
Uh, 17 of those 19 points came in the second half for Keontae George and the 19 points as well for John Collins starting at center had 13 rebounds, three steals and a block. Great all round play for them. Uh, And they didn't even shoot that well from the floor. They shot a worse percentage overall from both the floor and three than the Lakers did, but they got the job done at the free throw line, certainly. And uh, they were a much better rebounding team in this game and, Sometimes that can make the difference. More opportunities, even if you're shooting a lesser percentage, um, you can still get the win. That is a Jazz uh, Jazz's fifth straight win, and that's actually the longest active winning streak uh, at the point of recording this in the NBA uh, this January 15th, 2024. They've been impressive. We'll talk about them just a touch more with our power rankings as well. But I am, of course, super excited to see the Jazz playing well in recent weeks, not just this week, but a great win for them at home on Saturday. And we'll go ahead and jump into our fourth game, the first of our two Sunday games, last night's games, uh, starting with the Minnesota Timberwolves winning at home against the LA Clippers, 109 to 105, uh, closer game in this one. Bit of a late rally by the Clippers, made it a close game, but the Timberwolves able to hold on to the victory despite the Clippers' best efforts. Looking at the box score for the Clippers, they were led by Kawhi Leonard, 26 points, nine boards, four assists, and two steals, uh, stuffing the stat sheet there as well. Uh, off the bench, Norman Powell, their second leading scorer, 24 points. We know he can be deadly. Six of nine from three-point range, uh, shooting lights out, 75% from the floor overall. They got 16 points from Paul George, who struggled uh, a bit from the floor shooting. Uh, 14 points, eight assists, two steals, two blocks for James Harden, who also struggled from the floor. Um, and then Russell Westbrook, 12 points, 13 assists, eight rebounds, and two steals. Near triple-double for Westbrook off the bench. Uh, fairly decent all-round game for Westbrook. Some things to like, some things to to not like with the Clippers' performance, but then you look at things for the Timberwolves. They were led by Anthony Edwards, 33 points, nine rebounds, six assists, and two steals. Uh, 11 of 12 from the free-throw line, 62% from the floor. Great all-round game. He was joined by... Carl Anthony Towns, 17 points, six boards, five assists, uh, 58% from the floor. How about Rudy Gobert? 15 points, 18 rebounds, and four blocks. 18 boards, four blocks. Those are the types of numbers where it's, okay, he's very dominant as a, a rebounder and especially as a defender. We know the impact he can make. Seven of 14 from the free throw line, including one pretty bad air ball miss that the Clippers got a big uh, yuck out of, but... Um, didn't seem to matter. The Timberwolves still were able to come up with the victory. They got 14 points from Jane McDaniels, who had four boards, two steals, and then finally 10 points off the bench from Kyle Anderson. Uh, Slow-mo with some nice production for them. Uh, Timberwolves are just playing great. And, you know, they've had some, some weeks where they've lost a couple more games, but overall they've still been a dominant team. They uh, beating a team like the Clippers that has been very, uh, very potent in the last month or more um, retaking the sole ownership of the first place in the Western conference from the Oklahoma city thunder, both the thunder and Timberwolves have been very good. And uh, I'm excited to see when they play next, because that would be a fantastic game to watch out for um, divisional opponents as well in that Northwest division. Um, but for the moment, great win for the Timberwolves. And we'll go ahead and jump into that last game, uh, a game winner for Damian Lillard and the Milwaukee Bucks in overtime. Final score, 143 to 142. The Bucks beat the visiting Sacramento Kings in a wild affair. Again, overtime game, 
Lillard wins it at the buzzer. Some stats on the Lillard buzzer beater before we get into things. Um, he has 10 game winners in the last five seconds of games since 2012, which is the first in the league, leads the league. Steph Curry second on that list with nine, one game winner short. He's also first overall in threes made, 132 three-pointers made, when the game is within five points in the final five minutes, and that's a regular season games. Steph Curry second again with 124. And then finally, that three-pointer that won the game for them was his 2,503, or certainly he made that three in this game, but I want to say it was that number exactly that was the game winner uh that is the he he then joined steph curry ray allen james harden and reggie miller as the only now five players to reach 2500 three-pointers made and again before we get into things i just want to say we talk of course a ton about steph curry revolutionizing the game with a three-point scoring and three-point shooting accuracy volume uh range all of those types of things. And he is the best to ever do it. It's just so interesting to me, though, that really when you think about it, you want to talk about the closest to Steph Curry in terms of the, the range, the volume, the the accuracy, the clutch moments. The closest to Steph Curry in NBA history has played much of his career in the same, same years as Steph Curry and same conference and had playoff series against him, Damian Lillard is the closest thing that we have to Steph Curry, even though Curry still is the best. Lillard is not as far off as many people would think. I mean, he has been phenomenal from three-point range, um, and along with being a great player himself. I mean, he's one of the 75th, uh, 75 greatest players um, for for nothing. You know, It's not like he's a 75th anniversary team member for nothing. He's been phenomenal. Um, but otherwise, yeah, back and forth game. Um, coach Mike Brown was ejected for the Kings after some uh, his issue with maybe foul discrepancies, um, not getting calls, the Kings not getting to the free throw line. I mean, he was livid. There was a particular call or non-call rather for De'Aaron Fox, and he jumps off the bench or jumps towards the official and is right in his face immediately, uh, got ejected. And Post game was kind of breaking down a film in the in the press conference, which was a little bit amusing. But you, know, you can't blame him, especially where the Kings have still been good, um, but they haven't been as uh, excitingly dominant as maybe they were in a very mo- various moments of last season. So um, the Kings still played a heck of a game, though. How about four players with twenty or more points? and a 30-point scorer of those four. They were led by Darren Fox, 32 points, five assists, three steals. Um, not the greatest shooting performance in terms of percentages, but not bad either. Um, still played his you know hardest in this game, and so did Demonis Sabonis, 21 points, their fourth-leading scorer, but he had 13 rebounds and 15 assists, a steal and a block as well, nine of 10 from the floor. Um, I believe first player with something like 20 plus points, 15 assists and and 10 rebounds with that high of a percentage. Um, I forget the exact stat, but he was very impressive. Made a three pointer, the one that he attempted Um, Fox and Sabonis continue to impress as a duo. And then how about Malik Monk off the bench, 28.7 boards, seven assists, four of nine from three. And then 
Kevin Herter, 26 points with 10 rebounds, six of nine from three. That's incredible production. And again, part of that is an overtime period, but still great games for them. And they also got 14 from Harrison Barnes. Uh, the Bucks just had to had to match that to be able to overcome it. And they did. Giannis and Tenacopo, 27 points, 10 boards, 10 assists with three steals, uh, 56% from the floor. Lillard, though, led the team in scoring 29 points and eight assists, five of 13 from three, including the game winner, of course. 23 points from Malik Beasley, five assists as well. He was five of nine from three. Off the bench, Bobby Portis, 22 points, 10 rebounds, made both his three-point attempts, then 15 points from Cameron Payne, three of four from three. The Bucks shot 46% from three-point range, uh, besting the Kings 41%. And in a sense, maybe that was the difference. Just made uh, um, three or more, three or two more. Certainly they made the three at the end to put themselves up one uh, to win the game by one. Again, that 143-142 mark. Um, tough loss for Sacramento when you fight that hard. Um, there's definitely a lot of great things to pull from it for the Kings as far as how good their stars were in this game. And again, they're still one of the top five or six teams in the Western Conference, but uh, still a tough loss. A credit to the Bucs for pulling that out. Uh, a team that's struggled with consistency in moments, the Bucs have. Um, but with Lillard showcasing that not only is he going to still score a lot of points, but he's going to be clutch in Milwaukee. Uh, he hasn't lost that in the move from Portland. That's a great sign for Milwaukee, and it was a great win for them uh, with an exciting game winner right at the buzzer. Uh, so that is your uh, five-on-five drill. As far as the other games, we didn't have a chance to talk about. Firstly, the Houston Rockets won in Detroit against the Pistons, 112-110. to Van Vliet and Shangoon for the Rockets scored the final 22 points for them, uh, and Amen Thompson is now 2-0 against his brother Asar. Uh, which is, I suppose, an interesting note. Um, kind of a late rally, won the game for the Rockets there. Then the Indiana Pacers won in Atlanta against the Hawks, 126-108. to 108. By the way, these are the Friday games that we're starting with. I don't know if I had a chance to say that. The Philadelphia 76ers won at home against the Sacramento Kings, 112-93. Tobias Harris, a season-high 37 points, and that is his second straight 30-plus point game this season. So that's a good note for the Sixers who have uh, dropped a few more games lately. The Minnesota Timberwolves won at home against the Portland Trailblazers, 116-93. to uh, Pretty impressive game for them there. The LA Clippers won in Memphis against the Grizzlies, 128-119. to Paul George, season-high, 37 points, similar to Tobias Harris in that game. Uh, then this game, the Golden State Warriors won in Chicago against the Bulls, 140-131. to Um Stats worth noting, of course, DeMar DeRozan, 39 points in the game. Clay Thompson with 30 points. Um, the, the game was chosen as the night that they would uh, do the ceremony for their new Ring of Honor. Uh, we mentioned it earlier in the season, of course, honoring the 96 Bulls as a team, but then various great players, Jerry Sloan, Bob Love, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, the great players in their franchise history, along with some great coaches, Phil Jackson, Tex Winter. Uh, and executive Jerry Krause. That all is great. In the halftime ceremony, they're running through these names, and they get to the name of uh, Jerry Krause, and the fans go into Krause with the booze. But, of course, Jerry Krause has passed away, um, and he was being... Uh, standing in for him was his widow, uh, Thelma Krause, and they boo him, 
And then they show her on the screen and she is in tears and they try and come back around realizing their error. Um, and many have already commented on this. Stacy King, of course, the color commentator for the Bulls, one of them, uh, sports talk shows and all they, they've all made their comments. I'll just say, you know, I concur with the fact that it was a pretty, uh, I don't want to say shameful. It, it's a it's a knee jerk reaction, and they realize the mistake. But it was definitely a mistake to boo, um, especially after what Kraus did to make the Bulls dominant teams. You can I don't know if you could ever say the Bulls would not have won a championship without Kraus. That's probably a bit of an overstatement with how great Jordan was. But certainly they would not have won six championships. They wouldn't have had three uh, three peats without what Kraus did for that franchise. Um, he made them a dynasty. He was a big part of Jordan's success. And to me, the frustrating part is more the fact that Jordan's, you know, focus on he's with the last dance and other things. He's got to make sure his legacy is cemented as the indisputable goat that uh, the Bulls fans get this training. I don't want to say indoctrination because that's, that's definitely an overreach, but you know, they, they get told a lot about how Jordan was the, the guy and anyone else, they thought they had more of a part than they did. And it's a mix, you know, Jordan was great, but he needed Krause. He needed Phil Jackson. He needed Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant in the first three Pete, and then Dennis Rodman in the second. And he needed big shots from guys like John Paxson and Steve Kerr, you know, no one can do it on their own, not Jordan, not LeBron, not anybody. And I just hit, hate the fact that there's such a training now with the last dance and some of those other things where Kraus is now this villain who ruined the Bulls and pushed Jordan away, even though really Kraus helped Jordan win as many championships as he did. That's my gripe, but I'll get off that soapbox for now. Um, tough night, for, tough, tough night for the Chicago fans, despite it supposedly being a night for the ring of honor and no Jordan or Pippen, I believe there anyways, definitely frustrating because again, it's all about the pride and the, um, you know, grudges and, you know, why can't you just be content with winning as much as you did and still being recognized as one of the greatest of all time. Anyways, that's my whole point. Obviously I do not know any of these people personally and know what could have gone on beyond Cole's doors, but I'll leave it at that. Um, Warriors get the win. Uh, that's it for that. Let's move on to the next game. The Miami Heat won at home against the Orlando Magic, 99-96. to Rare game lately where both teams are below 100 points. Um, and Bam Adebayo with a mid-range game winner in this one. Uh, that's the first win for a team under 100 points in over a month in the NBA, which certainly says something. Uh, by the way, for the Warriors with the Bulls saying we didn't have a chance to talk about their stats, they had a 48-20 to run in the third quarter came back from 13 down and they combined, they had combined 57 points and 13 threes from the splash brothers uh, in that game. So kudos to them. Finally, your last two games from or actually last game from Friday night, the Utah jazz won at home against the Toronto Raptors, 145 to 113. Uh, and that covers the Friday action. We didn't have a chance to talk about a little bit more. Let's jump to Saturday. The Boston Celtics won at home in Ime Udoke's return to Boston, 145 to 113. The Houston Rockets lose in Boston. Um, 
and uh, the Celtics now improved to 19 and 0 at home. And they're the first team this season to 30 wins. Tatum had 22 of his 27 points in the first half as they raced out to a dominant win uh, again against those Rockets and Ime Udoka. The Washington Wizards won in Atlanta against the Hawks, 127-99. to That ended a six-game losing streak for the Wizards. The uh, Oklahoma City Thunder won at home against the Orlando Magic, 112-100, to momentarily tying the Timberwolves for best team in the West. Uh, SGA with 37 points. Uh, by the way, Shea is leading the league uh, as far as games with 30 points and three steals. He has 11 of them now after that game. And we'll talk about SGA a little bit more with our Player of the Week conversation or MVP, weekly MVP rather, uh, a little bit later on. Then the Milwaukee Bucks won at home against the Golden State Warriors without Steph Curry. Uh, the Warriors were 129 to 118, your final score for Milwaukee. Uh, Giannis was 33. Meanwhile, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, career-high 28 points in that game for the Warriors and the rookie Brandon Bajemski with a double-double. The New York Knicks won in Memphis against the Grizzlies, 106-94. to The Chicago Bulls won in San Antonio against the Spurs, 122-116, to despite Trey Jones' career-high 30 points and four three-pointers. The New Orleans Pelicans won in Dallas against the Mavericks, 118-108. to uh, And Jordan Hawkins had a career-high 34 points in that game uh six three-pointers he leads all rookies in three-point shooting with 75 three-pointers made finally sunday night the other games um the denver nuggets won at home against the indiana pacers 117 to 109 bruce brown with a double double in his return to denver as he received his championship ring from the nuggets the miami heat won at home against the charlotte hornets 104 to 87 and finally, the Phoenix Suns won in Portland against the Trailblazers, 127-116. to 116, Excuse me, 116, despite a career-high 33 points from Scoot Henderson. And those are the remaining games we didn't have a chance to go more in-depth on. As far as our key news, let's jump right into that. We had a trade uh, between the Detroit Pistons and the Washington Wizards, two of the teams that are struggling the most in the NBA this season. Detroit sent uh, Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Livers, two bigger forwards who sometimes play center, rarely, um, as well as two second-round picks in 2025 and 2026 to the Washington Wizards in exchange for Danilo Gallinari uh, and uh, forward center Mike Muscala. With the trade, Detroit created a $5.7 million trade exception, and Washington created a $3.5 million trade exception. Um, as far as my thoughts on the move real quick, I think it's an interesting one. Um for the Pistons, they just want to be winning more than they are right now, regardless of, you know, long-term drafting. They've already drafted uh, some interesting young talent. So bringing in a guy like Gallinari who can add some, some scoring maybe um, is interesting. And they bring in a, a veteran big like Muscala giving up Marvin Bagley and Isaiah livers. Those guys are productive. They grab boards, they have size, um, but you know, they have a, a good amount of that already with Detroit. They have the, the three centers or, you know, sometimes a full, uh, a four guy in Isaiah Stewart, but they have Stewart, Duran, and Wiseman already. Um, so they can afford to give up those guys to get a little bit more scoring type players. So I think it makes sense uh, for Washington. They get some draft p- picks, um, especially in a year where they're not looking that great either. Uh, so it makes sense on both sides. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Uh, long-term. So there's your big trade uh, and a big transaction from the last few days. 
couple of injury updates for the Memphis Grizzlies. Just they just can't avoid the injury bug this season. Desmond Bain will miss at least six weeks with a grade three left ankle sprain. And also for the Grizzlies, forward Jake Laravia will miss at least three weeks with a grade two high left ankle sprain. Uh, just devastating, especially with John Morant now out for the season. Uh, they've missed Marcus Smart for a lot of games. Uh, I think he's out at the moment, and now Bain's out. Um, tough news. We're going to wish those guys the best, certainly, as they work to recover uh, from those injuries, hopefully get on the floor soon. Um, and then a, a positive note for the Warriors, who are playing the Grizzlies tonight, to kind of add insult to injury. Uh, in a small way, Jeremiah Green is expected to make his return from suspension tonight uh, in Memphis versus the Grizzlies. So we'll see how Draymond looks returning from the suspension. Uh, see if he's rehabilitated, I suppose. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, a note from that last night's game where the Heat hosted the Hornets. Uh, Miami had a halftime ceremony um, honoring Dwayne Wade. And the announcement was made by Pat Riley. The Heat are going to honor Dwayne Wade with a bronze statue in fall of 2024. He'll be the first Heat player with a statue. Um, it makes a lot of sense. He's uh, the greatest player in their franchise's history. No disrespect to, you know, LeBron James uh, or maybe Jimmy Butler's starting to make a small case there. Um, but Wade, the longest tenured of their, their greats, uh, most points scored, you know, leader in a lot of categories. So uh, certainly deserving. That's great news for the Heat. Finally, a couple NBA-specific news um, items. Firstly, Players of the Week. Bam Adebayo and Lauren Markkinen named your NBA Players of the Week in the Eastern and Western Conference, respectively. Uh, congratulations to both of them. Well-deserved. And finally, just a reminder, your All-Star voting ends on uh, Saturday the 20th. So this Saturday, your All-Star voting will conclude for the uh the fan vote category of course the fan vote i think uh accounts for about half the uh half the voting consideration for the all-star the starters of course uh the reserves are picked by the uh the coaches but get your votes in i've gotten only a few votes in i definitely want to try and vote a little bit more this week um but it, it matters you know i think there's uh, a couple of guys you know halliburton especially that Deserve to be starters this year, um, but make your votes. And uh, with that, that, that takes care of our key news as I'm getting ahead of my words a little bit. Let's go ahead and jump into our next segment, our uh, latest power rankings. Power rankings. All right, let's talk real quick about some of the moves outside of the top 10 uh, that are worth noting. The Heat have jumped up four spots, but they fell just outside the top 10 at number 11, three and one over the last week. Um, they're looking better. I still hesitate a little bit because they've been up and down for most of the season. So I hesitate putting them in the top 10 quite yet, but they've been they've been better lately. The Kings fell to 12. They fell four spots, even though they were only two and two. Losses against big teams, but also just other teams that made more impressive moves and uh, have jumped ahead of them. And it's kind of maybe a wake-up call for Sacramento um, that they need to start stringing some more wins together. Um, not that I anticipate they pay attention to the power rankings that I do that much. Um, but anyways, jumping down or falling down rather to 14 and 15, the Mavericks and the Magic respectively, uh, they – lost more than they won in the week. Magic did not win a game in the week. Uh, they 
have just been not as stellar. They've lost their luster a bit. Um, we'll see if they can find some of that again uh, over the next few weeks. Up to 16, up three spots. The Utah Jazz, who were 4-0 in the week. Um, again, they've been great holders of the longest active winning streak. I think they've won nine of their last 11, something to that effect. Um, they're now mid uh, middle of the pack. More importantly, they're in the play-in picture in the West. We'll see if they can continue to rise because I've been very excited about Utah. Um, of course, as a jazz fan myself, uh, Rockets and Lakers fell a bit more as did the Warriors. The Bulls are up one uh, Hawks and Raptors swapped. And then at the bottom, your bottom six stays roughly the same with the exception of the San Antonio Spurs finally moving up to third worst to uh, take the spot of the Washington Wizards who fell one. It's now Wizards just barely ahead of the Pistons uh, in your bottom group. And then Hornets, Blazers, Grizzlies, all of those stay the same. So that's most of those outside of the top 10. Let's go ahead and get into the top 10, starting with the Indiana Pacers. They've moved up three spots. They're back in the top 10, despite being without Tyrese Halliburton, being able to start a guard like TJ McConnell. We've talked about that's a big deal for them to have that type of overqualified backup point guard. He has led them to, uh, you know, maintaining what they've done in recent weeks. Uh, over the last three weeks, they are what nine and two uh, impressive stuff. They've vaulted back into the, the top half of the Eastern conference. They have the Pacers at two uh, at 10, rather just ahead of them at nine, the New York Knicks, the rival Knicks two and one in the week. Um, They've looked very good with OG Ananobi. We've talked about the impact of that trade, of course. Um, and the chance that they can get Mitchell Robinson back at the end of the season is a nice little bright spot to look forward to. Um, they've made some some small roster moves outside of the Ananobi trade. And again, the fit of Ananobi along with uh, Brunson and Randall, who are more scoring focused, Ananobi keeps a defensive identity strong, which... Thibodeau cares a lot about. I think that's been a great fit for them. So I have them moving up to nine, uh, up to eight, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans two and one over the last week, despite a loss um, to the Nuggets. That's a tough team to try and beat. Nug the Pelicans have still been impressive. Um, so I have them staying up in the top 10 up at seven down one spot. The Philadelphia 76ers who are one and one in the week um, missing Joel Embiid for a lot of that, um, you know, that that's kind of the big thing. Um, Embiid staying on the floor more consistently. Um, it hasn't been a big concern over the recent years, but um, they need Embiid to be successful. Uh, as good as Maxi's been and Harris in, in recent games, uh, they need Embiid, of course, to, to win. That's all it really comes down to. At six, up one spot, the Los Angeles Clippers, three and one. Uh, they still are very good despite a loss to Minnesota. Uh, the Clippers have impressed me a lot, so they continue to move up at five, down two spots despite a win against the Pelicans and going two and one. The, the teams ahead of them just made some better moves. The Denver Nuggets are at five, uh, two and one again. They, they're still good. It's just the the bench question again is has not been answered yet for me. Um, it, it's gotten a little better with Peyton Watson and those guys uh, getting more of a run and an opportunity, but. At the moment, I'm going to drop them down to five. I'm going to keep the Bucks at four, three and one. Uh, game winner for Lillard was great. Um, if they had lost that kind of a game, they probably could have dropped with Denver, um, or maybe Denver wouldn't have fallen as far. But regardless, you know, Milwaukee, I think, 
the defense is the question. Um, but Giannis and Lillard, of course, gelling fairly well. Um, the offense is really going to charge, you know, power the charge this year, I suppose. Um, but I have them at four at three up two spots, the Oklahoma city thunder. They were four and oh, uh, one of only a few teams that were undefeated in the week. SGA, uh, really catapulting himself into the top two or three in the MVP conversation. Chet Holmgren has been great. Uh, you know, incredible coaching depth talent. They've done it all and they continue to do it well up to number three, but again, just one less win than the team ahead of them at two, the Minnesota Timberwolves stay at two, three and one in the week. Uh, they're still great defensively. The Gobert towns tandem and then Anthony Edwards excitement, exciting play. And then at number one, they were two and two in the week, you know, rough week for them, but they had built such a lead still undefeated at home. And again, first team, 30 wins the Boston Celtics. They stay at number one, um, they a bit of a wishy-washy week, but when you have that big of a lead and you've been that dominant, um, doesn't make too much of a difference. So there's my top 10. Again, that will be on our social media uh, pages. So we definitely recommend you check that out. Check out our socials and all of the stuff that we have there. But otherwise, that takes care of our power rankings. So let's go ahead and move on to our brief uh, altered slightly version of uh, DEFCON levels for this week. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. DEFCON Levels. Again, no co-host this time, so it's a bit of a different format. Usually I would present Wyatt or whoever our co-host is with, you know, what is the DEFCON level that this certain thing happens? Um, and you know, whether it's this player winning MVP or this team, uh, doing this certain type of thing in the playoffs, uh, and the DEFCON level, if you're not aware, uh, military type term, uh, DEFCON level of five is, you know, uh, we're at peace, no threat to worry about DEFCON level four. There's, there is a, a small threat. And then that escalates to DEFCON level of one, where it's like red alert, you know, uh, definitely something to be concerned about. Um, this time around, I have three of the, uh, teams that we expected on paper, perhaps to be, uh, top teams in the Western conference this year, but they've all been underperforming for various reasons. And I'm going to just answer the same, uh, DEFCON level question for all three of them that I'm posing to myself, I suppose. Uh, what is the DEFCON level on this team's, uh, on this team having lost their chance uh, or or not, you know, not living up to the opportunity to contend for a championship this season, I suppose, you know, falling out of that type of a picture. Um, and we're going to start with the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, they made uh, maybe the biggest splash outside of the Lillard trade this offseason, bringing in a guy like Bradley Beal uh, alongside Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, uh, gave up some more depth to do it. And that's where I start with Phoenix. You know, it's similar to the uh, the Denver question as far as the depth for the Phoenix Suns, um, and also the the guard fit that starting backcourt with Beal and Booker. We know those guys are great guards. They're all star level players who can score uh, at ease. Who are great three point shooters. We know they can do that, but the question of them running the offense was a talking point once the deal was made and it hasn't been disastrous. It hasn't been a ringing success. It's just been, 
you know, mediocre, I suppose. Um, they've had great offensive nights where they just shoot lights out from three. They've had nights where they struggled to shoot it that well, and they've they've lost games either by you know close games or, or bigger losses. It's just been kind of here and there. It seems like there's not a lot of excitement around Phoenix as a uh, a big threat in the West at the moment. They're eighth in the West uh, as of this recording, just behind New Orleans and just barely ahead of Utah. Um, whereas going into the season, you thought, okay, pretty good chance they're going to be a top four team. And it just hasn't worked out that way. Injuries are certainly a very big part of that. Bradley Beal has missed most of the season. Uh, Booker's missed a handful of games. And without those guys, uh, it's just Durant and um, some guys that would normally be eighth or ninth guys off the bench or maybe, you know, best case scenario, Grayson Allen uh, are are serviceable starters. Um, But instead, they're having to be, you know, co-stars to Durant. And that has hasn't been working out that that well when that's been the case. Nurkic has been a nice spot for them uh, as their new starting center, Yusuf Nurkic. Um, again, not really a defensive, defensively focused center, and that was the confusing part of that that deal. Um, in a sense, when they gave up DeAndre and they brought in Yusuf Nurkic, um, I, I don't know. I, I like Nurk, but again. Durant is better defensively than people want to give him credit for. They start Josh Okoge, but even then, um, they don't have a ton of defensive guys that you're worried about too much. Um, the three-point shootings there, of course, Allen and Eric Gordon off the bench, Beal and Booker and Durant. They've got, you know, Yuta Watanabe, uh, deep bench guy as well. The the starting bigs, you know, Eubanks and Metu are hustle guys. They're overachievers, but... It's still not the depth maybe you would uh, find ideal. And then Bull Bull barely gets run when it's like, hey, he could really be a big part of their bench. We saw what he was able to do in Orlando last year uh, a lot of the time with those minutes. You know, he's an exciting player, a versatile player, and he hasn't gotten much of an opportunity. So it's just a confusing team. Um, I think we can't really give a DEFCON level too definitive until we see Beal playing steady for – uh, a longer period of time. But that being said, we're at the halfway point of the season, just about. And that's where I get more concerned for Phoenix because they're going to start to run out of time. They're hovering just above 500 halfway through the season. They really need to start stringing some wins together. But uh, for the sake of our purposes right now, I'm going to go with a DEFCON level uh, of three, maybe 3.5. Um, there's concerns. You know, they have the talent level and they're still above 500. So I think they have you know, opportunity to, to improve uh, in the near future. Our next team we're going to talk about is below 500 at the moment. Uh, and they just lost to a team that's vaulted past them in the Western conference, the Los Angeles Lakers. We got to talk about them 19 and 21, 11th in the Western conference at the moment of recording this just outside of the play in picture. Um, and with the Lakers, you know, they've missed a few games from LeBron and AD. They have, Injury concerns more with the supporting cast in terms of Gabe Vincent and uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who have missed a handful of games. With the Lakers, it's confusing because, of course, they won the in-season tournament, the first ever in-season tournament. They were dominant in the tournament games. LeBron was playing, you know, 10 years younger. AD has been great uh, both the tournament and since then. But the offense has seemed to struggle. Um, you, You wonder if 
the Lakers at a certain point started to lose more games and uh, or even after the tournament and the, the in-season tournament championship, there was a natural letdown. Um, it's hard to say exactly. They made a, a small move in the, the two-way deals to bring in Skylar Mays and Dylan Windler to try and give them a, a touch of energy. Um, of course, with the Lakers and LeBron, they are going to be a big name to watch for in the trade deadline conversation. And maybe Phoenix will try and put their name in there too. But the Lakers, it you know, it would be more surprising if they didn't try and make some sort of big uh, splash move at the trade deadline to improve the team. But I, I still think there's there's names that can make it work, but it just hasn't worked. And that's more what's concerning than anything. If they had LeBron out for half the season and um, – you know, we're playing with a a makeshift roster from the guys that were supposed to be playing off the bench more, you know, that would be like, like the Suns. you know, that's more understandable, but with the Lakers, they've been healthy more often than not. And they were great to win the tournament. And then there's just been this big letdown since then. That's more concerning than anything. It'll be interesting to see what happens with head coach Darvin Ham, regardless of his coaching abilities, you know, that, can sometimes be decide besides the point uh, when a team just has a a run regardless of or, or a fall rather regardless of uh, you know play the personnel you know that personnel just uh, not losing interest because that would be a big accusation these guys play hard but it's more just uh, losing that you know singular focus on on a process um, and they aren't as locked in maybe as they could be. So with Los Angeles, I'm going to definitely say more of a DEFCON level two or maybe 2.5. Uh, there's a lot of concerns for the Lakers, again, where they've had the team for most of the time and it just hasn't been gelling as well as we thought they would. Um, you know, Reeves off the bench has been a, an interesting maneuver that maybe wasn't as good as it could have been. Um, D'Angelo Russell, despite that game against the Jazz, has been underperforming most of the season. You know, Prince has been good. Um, Woods had some games that have been good, but they've just missed a lot of uh, consistent, you know, roles for guys. Maybe that's more than anything, but um, the Lakers will put them at a two or a 2.5. And the last team we'll focus on in our, uh, our DEFCON level segment here is the Golden State Warriors who are below the Lakers right now, 12th in the West, a uh, half game behind them at 18 and 21. And I'll just go ahead and say DEFCON level uh, a one. And I don't know if I've ever said that with any DEFCON level segment, but it really does feel like it's kind of the end of what the Warriors were, uh, that dominant, you know, dynasty really of the late 2010s. Um, and it's not like Steph Curry's fall off, far, uh, fallen off rather far, far from it. He's been um, as great as he's been. I mean, maybe not as much of a world beater as he's been in past seasons, but he's still been very good, you know, maybe just a, a half a grade lower instead of an A plus he's been an A, but he's still great. Clay has been better than people think, but he is, you know, dipping in production to touch. Um, but it starts with really the guys outside of that. Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Draymond, of course, the suspension and that distraction that he's been in terms of the, the, the fouls and the um, those types of things have been a detriment more than his unique style of play that is that has been an asset. Now those aren't showing up more as much as the uh, distractions. Andrew Wiggins, his play has kind of fallen off a cliff. Um, 
whether off the bench or in the starting lineup, he just has not been as effective. Chris Paul aging, uh, definitely near the end of his career, uh, gets some assists off the bench for you, runs an offense, but outside of that hasn't done a lot. Gary Payton, the seconds missed a lot of games with injury. Um, and then outside of that, the bench has had brighter spots. You know, Pajemski, uh, the rookie's been nice for them. Jonathan Kaminga has taken a, a bigger step forward. Uh, Dario Saric has been a nice veteran. Trace Jackson Davis has also uh, done well for them. But that bench, uh, those guys are overachieving off the bench in bench situations, you know, against other benches. Um, they can't seem to find a lineup, a starting lineup that makes it work. Um, they have gotten slightly worse as the season has gone on. Um, and I don't see where the answers come. You know, maybe they try and make a trade deadline move, but, you know, they've already put themselves low in the Western Conference standings. And, you know, 21 losses, you, if you go 30 and 10, you're still, you know, maybe uh, mid of the middle of the pack in the West. Uh, you know, it with it being so close in the Western Conference, maybe you can be generous. Maybe you can move them up more in the second or third in the West. Um, but are, is this team going to go 30 and 10? I haven't really seen a, a reason to think that that's going to happen. Um, and, you know, Curry is starting to show the wear of having to carry this team much more offensively. Um, and I don't know. I just don't see a reason for it to really change. Um, I certainly see a, a world where I'm proven very wrong in this category. You know, it feels like we had the same concerns about them last season and the season prior, not certainly not to this volume, but we've had concerns about the Warriors in recent seasons and they won a championship two years ago. So I won't be surprised if I'm proven very wrong by this, but I'll stick by it right now. I think that they are definitely uh, soul searching at the moment. Um, Curry's still great, but the team around him has been uh, a bit lackluster despite a uh, a nice bench. Um, but the Warriors, I'll put them about a DEFCON level one, maybe maybe one and a half or a two, but it's, it's a concern for them. And all these teams have just been short of teams like the Timberwolves, the Thunder, uh, of course, defending champs in the Nuggets, and a hot team like the Clippers. All those teams have been much better, and uh, we'll have to see if anything changes in the second half of the season. But that's where we'll leave it right now. And that's the end of our DEFCON level segment. Let's go ahead and jump into our next segment. Uh, as we've alluded to a little bit, our weekly MVP for this past week. Weekly MVP. Okay, this week's weekly MVP is going to be a quick one because putting together the list of names this week, I kind of saw the name that I felt like would be the the right pick for this week. Um, and I don't want to eliminate the suspense because there was a lot of great players. Uh, Giannis, of course, you know, 27 and 10 over four, uh, four games. He was three and one, uh, nearly 60% from the floor. Um, very solid there along with eight assists, nearly averaging a triple double. Jokic, even closer to averaging a triple-double, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 9.7 assists uh, with lights-out shooting numbers 2-1 and one in the week. He would be a great name. He might be the second name up to who I'm going to name as our weekly MVP. 
Uh, Paul George and Jason Tatum both averaged about 26 points a game with uh, great shooting numbers uh, over their games played. Lillard with the game winner, 3-0 and in his three games played uh, with 26 points as well, six assists. Larry Markkinen was uh, a player of the week in the West, 24 points a game, 11 rebounds, and uh, 48% shooting from the three along with 91% from the free throw line. Kobe White and DeMar DeRozan for the Chicago Bulls, 24 points each per game uh, with with pretty great shooting numbers. There's a lot of great names here, but we've got to go with a guy who's been, of course, on our social pages. Again, to plug that, we have a post every Friday. Uh, here's our candidates, you know, some, some guys that have been, been playing great so far this week that could be weekly MVPs. And it feels like the last two or three weeks, and certainly multiple times over the past couple of seasons, Shea Gilders-Alexander, his name has come up. And I want to double-check this real quick because I definitely don't want to misspeak about our past weekly MVPs. But that does confirm what I was thinking. Shea Gilders-Alexander has never won a weekly MVP. As many times as he's been a candidate, he's never won it. And especially with a 4-0 and week, 32 points per game, Five boards a game, six assists per game, about two steals, one block per game, and percentages of 67% from the floor, 33% from three, 89% from the free throw line. He was a plus 13.8. That is across the board dominance. He led the NBA, uh, or he led our candidates in scoring this past week. Again, undefeated, 4-0. Um, how about this for the season? He's third in the league in points per game with 31.5. First in steals with 2.4 steals per game. He leads all guards in points in the paint, 16.1, which is fourth overall. And field goal percentage, 55.8% from the floor, highest in guards. The Thunder have been contending for a top spot in the Western Conference, which is hotly contested. This has to be the week. And we try not to make it legacy like we did. And we talked about that last week with Jason Tatum. Um, but it really is high time that we honored Shea Gilders Alexander with a weekly MVP. He's earned it m- many weeks in the past. He earned it again this week. He gets it this week. Congratulations to SGA Shea, Shea Gilders Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, for a long overdue weekly MVP, especially with the season they're having. Shay, if you're in Utah, you know, you're in the same division, of course, but if you're in Utah and you want to come by, uh, accept your award, we would definitely appreciate you uh, hopping by. Um, and we're glad we can honor you finally. It's overdue, uh, but you had a great week and you've had a great season. Again, an MVP tip candidate, uh, full stop for the season. SGA has been phenomenal. And that takes care of our weekly MVP. Real quick, let's give you the weekly forecast before we wrap things up. All the times that I will give for these games are in Eastern Standard Time. So keep that in mind as you are planning your schedule around any of these games. Tuesday, tomorrow, we have three games, two national broadcasts, um, an NBA, or a, actually a TNT doubleheader. Firstly, at 7.30, the Denver Nuggets are in Philadelphia against the 76ers. If Embiid plays, that's your matchup of the two most recent MVPs, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. And then at 10 o'clock on TNT, the LA Clippers will host the Oklahoma City Thunder. Exciting matchup of two top teams in the West, but also SGA now. He's an MVP candidate, and he's back in Los Angeles with the Clippers where his career began. 
very interesting there. And then your other game at nine o'clock, the Phoenix Suns will host the Sacramento Kings. Also interesting. Should be a, a good matchup. The Chemezi Metu uh, game against his former team in the Kings. Not as big of a storyline, certainly. Um, but still, Kings, Suns, uh, better teams in the West. Interesting matchup there. On Wednesday, 10 games total, two national broadcasts, um, a doubleheader of the ESPN family of channels, uh, ESPN at 730, uh, rather the, I guess, ABC's family of channels, if you want to frame it that way. But ESPN at 730. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers host the Milwaukee Bucks Central Division matchup there. Mitchell versus Giannis uh, and Lillard. That's intriguing. And then at 8, uh, 8.30 on ABC, Los Angeles Lakers host the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Kyrie in Los Angeles against LeBron, uh, Luka and AD. You know, that's that's intriguing as well. Your remaining games at 7, the Pistons host the Timberwolves. At 7.30, uh, four games at 7.30, the Raptors host the Heat. The Rockets are in New York against the Knicks. The Spurs are in Boston against the Celtics, when Manyama versus the top team in the NBA. And then your Atlanta Hawks host the Orlando Magic in a Southeast Division matchup. At 8 o'clock, the uh, New Orleans Pelicans host the Charlotte Hornets. And then finally, uh, actually two games, rather, 9, uh, the Utah Jazz host the Golden State Warriors. Just a reminder, that's local access, Jazz Plus or K-Jazz on local Utah cable TV. And then finally at 10 o'clock, the Portland Trailblazers host the Brooklyn Nets. Then on Thursday, five games, a TNT doubleheader again at 7.30. The Toronto Raptors host the Chicago Bulls. And then at 10 o'clock, the Minnesota Timberwolves host the Memphis Grizzlies. Of course, if Morant was playing, uh, that would have been a little bit more of an exciting matchup. But uh, Minnesota... Should you would figure get the win, but you know, maybe Memphis can surprise them uh, at home. Your remaining games the Knicks host the Wizards at 7 30. Uh, at nine o'clock, the Jazz will host the Oklahoma City Thunder again, Jazz Plus or K Jazz. And then at 10 o'clock, the Sacramento Kings host the Indiana Pacers. Sabonis hosts his former team. That should be interesting. Finally, on Friday, eight games total. A ESPN doubleheader at 7.30. The Boston Celtics host the Denver Nuggets. The defending champs versus the reigning uh, best team in the NBA. And the Nuggets try and uh, give the Celtics their first loss of the season at home. Then at 10 o'clock, the Golden State Warriors host the Dallas Mavericks. A rematch of the 2022 uh, Western Conference Finals. Uh, Steph versus Luka. And Kyrie's in there too. That one should be great to watch for your remaining games. Uh, two games at seven. Magic hosts the Sixers, and then the Hornets hosts the Spurs again. Wembenyama and Brandon Miller this time in Charlotte. Then two games at eight o'clock. The Pelicans host the Suns, and the Heat hosts the Hawks. Um, Pel's Suns should be uh, particularly intriguing in that Western Conference. And then ten o'clock, the Trailblazers host the Pacers, and finally at ten thirty, the Lakers host the Nets for your uh, to close out your Friday night and your weekday action. Again, a lot of interesting stuff for me. I'm closely watching the Jazz to see if they can start to get higher above 500. 21 and 20 as I'm recording this, 51% winning percentage. If they can get wins against teams like Golden State, uh, you know that's expected uh, or should be expected. But then if they can beat the Thunder on Thursday, that would be a particular excitement for me. So I'm looking forward to that, but a lot of great games outside of, of course, your favorite team. Uh, so I definitely recommend checking those out. But with that, that should be the majority of our show. We'll close things out with our This Day in History fact for you. And we had to go with this one. 
we're going back to 1892, January 15th of 1892, the 13 original rules of basketball were printed in the Springfield YMCA training school newspaper, of course, where the game was uh, created by Dr. James Naismith. So had to go with that fact for you uh, with the, the beginning of the game that we, of course, all love so very much. But that'll be it for us today. Thank you all again for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be back with you on Wednesday for our normal Wednesday show. Um, Should be fairly straightforward. I'm excited to see what else happens in this crazy NBA season, as has been the case uh, most of the time in recent years. But uh, I'll quit rambling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you on Wednesday.